This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on Wednesday, June 30th, 2021, after the Cubs are swept in Milwaukee. It was pretty much the one outcome that they really couldn't afford for a number of reasons, and it's what we get. So we are going to break it down. Um, I will offer a caveat to you all. I This is going to be, we're going to allow ourselves to swear on this one. So I'm offering up uh, an explicit podcast warning. It's not going to be gratuitous. If, if you're hoping for us to necessarily like go nuts, I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know if either of us have the, the heart for it right now. But we are going to allow ourselves to drop, you know, the occasional F-bomb or whatever. So warning, if you're in at work, listening on a speaker, you got your kids around, whatever, any situation you don't want to hear, a, a mild amount of cursing, an appropriate amount of cursing, I think. Um, this is your warning, and there you go. Um, but Brendan, I, I mean, look, man, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to recap these games. We don't even really have a structure to this. I, I've only spoken to you a little bit today, so we're sort of yeah. doing this off the cuff, but we, we knew going in that this was going to be a tough road trip. We knew that Dodgers series was going to be tough and all of that, but we talked in the last episode that you had to take care of business against the Brewers. You had to take care of business in your own division. We're heading to July now, decisions about the deadline, selling, buying, standing pat, all of that, you know, kind of on the line if you really laid an egg here. And I don't even know if I would call this laying an egg. The The game on Wednesday <laughs> is one of, like, partially perhaps the most embarrassed I've ever been to uh, watch no, no. this team. I mean, what an utter, utter mess that we just saw in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I mean, I feel like a fucking idiot. Like, you know, Ooh, two you weeks got ago the first around this, one po- this time. Normally it's me. I'm, I'm like lost for words, Corey. I mean, we were talking two weeks ago about getting through June. We got through this tough stretch. You're sweeping the Dodgers, you're playing well against the Cardinals. Like, this is the exact position you wanted to be in. And the only way it went the other direction is if there is some type of extreme where you lose like six in a row and you do so against the Milwaukee Brewers and they start winning games nonstop. And, and, and that, that's, that's what happened, but it's like not even just the way they lose these games, dude. It's like, uh, I mean, the lineup today is a fucking joke. Corey. Yeah. Uh, I, I know how they got there. I know like, you know, Matt Duffy's injured and Nico's injured and KB's out and, and Rizzo's out. Like, I'm not an idiot. Like I, I see how no. they got there well, I know I'm an idiot a little bit, but it's like, I just called myself an idiot, but it's, 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 I mean, we, we've known these issues for so long. Depth, depth, No, it, depth, it, it Brendan, I think what you're getting at, and, and again, like there's injuries, there's all sorts of considerations. The, the 40 man is tricky right now. Cause you have some guys hurt, you know, like Amaya's not available to be called yeah. up right but now. But then Rizzo's like, Rizzo's going to be not put on the aisle. Right. And so we're going to go again with a man down again, And Brian. So, so what I, what I think yeah. you're, you're getting at is that in a series that felt very important to the division, to potentially what their ultimate strategy was for the rest of the season, th- this, this lacked any sort of killer instinct whatsoever. 
And it was again, the complete opposite. Some of that is is the way it is, right? They're in a bad spot. They've it's it's sort of a confluence of misfortune, bad planning, etc. That sort of rears its ugly head at the worst time. But you're looking at some of these lineups, and they felt like getaway lineups after you've won the first three games of a four-game series at home before going on a long road trip. That's not what it was. This was you playing a team that was ahead of you in the division by three games and trying to avoid falling into a a pretty big hole, and you're rolling out these lineups where it's, it's a total joke, and you're playing down two men these last couple nights. Chris Bryan and Anthony Rizzo unavailable. And again, like they, they play this game all the time where, you know, you don't want to lose the guy, but it, it's it's only 10 days. I know the 40 man is messy, but like it, it clearly affected them. They ended up in yeah. spots where Jose Lobatone, Eric Sogard, other guys are taking these huge high leverage plate appearances and you're just deliberately playing down a man and playing with guys who don't belong on a major league roster, and this is what you get. But but Brendan, like yeah. I, in yeah, yeah, in yeah. an effort to to structure this this conversation at least somewhat, right? Here's we'll the first thing I want to get out of the way, and I I this is this is a, a a sort of touchy subject I think for all of us, but I'm I'm just gonna we've we've talked about this we sort of beaten around the bush a little bit the last couple weeks. I do not ever want to see Jake Arietta take the mountain for this team again after his performance on Wednesday. I'm done. I love him. Right. I appreciate what he's done for this organization for the rest of my life. 2015 was one of the most fun things I've ever experienced going to games, watching games. 2016, his contributions towards helping this team win a World Series championship, I will never forget it. But he was spotted a 7 to nothing lead after losing the two games, after losing that first game in sort of like crushing fashion where the Brewers storm and, and blow the, the cover off of Ryan Tepera in the bullpen after Wisdom had tied the game. The offense spots him a seven spot in the first inning. They come out, and and to their credit, the offense in that first inning, now they disappeared for the rest of the game in pretty typical fashion. But the offense grinded out. They were patient. The Brewers threw a rookie who was clearly overwhelmed, and the Cubs took advantage of it. Even someone like Sogard laying down that bunt because he knows this guy's in over his head. He's not going to be able to make this decision. They're all over the place. Wisdom, Baez coming through. They're taking walks. They were doing everything that they needed to do. And Jake Arrieta went out and took an absolute shit on the mound. Brendan, for for him to be spotted a seven spot in what felt like a must-win game, Jake Arietta walked in a fucking run in the first inning. Yeah. Inexcusable. He's done. I, I mean, he's toast. Yeah. We've we've been sort of like, you know, dancing around this subject a little bit, trying to see if we could extract anything from him and from that contract and whatever. If you cannot pitch, if you can't throw strikes, right? When you get spotted a seven-run lead and your team is desperate for a win, you've got guys hurt, you've got everything going wrong, and they spot you a seven-run lead in the first inning, and he shit it away in two innings. Done. Get out of here. Yeah, I get it. Part of the the process, though, is even getting— 
the team in a situation where you have to rely on you know a 35 year old Jake Arrieta going through these going through these issues, right? Like you still have to rewind and ask yourself how how oh, did no we question. get to this point, right? So yeah, like my feelings on Jake. It's July. I said for three weeks. I don't see the optimism going forward because we haven't seen any changes in any of the data, any any of that. So that's that's one factor going into this. The the, the other factors though, and listen, you cannot help but think about it. You, when when you when you when your first major move is trading you Darvish and Victor Caratini, and you saw this series the effect it had yeah. on that, right? And you can do that, Corey. That's fine. Like we said, okay, you want to trade you Darvish? I can entertain that idea if you get back immediate value and try to supplement this team in their window. Corey, they had a window in June. They got super lucky with Patrick Wisdom's performances and uh, Alcantara early on there in the bullpen. They got lucky, dude. This was not in the cards for them. And that was the intent we were talking about. If you can get this team to that level, supplement them with some immediate value, they could go on and win this division. They were in position to exactly do that. But no, you go out and you trade you Darvish and then your backup young catcher, your insurance policy for one of your core guys in Wilson Contreras for teenagers, Corey, fucking teenagers. I hope they develop. I really do. But you're not going to see those fruits bear any type of value until three, four years from now. This is why we were so pissed months ago. Okay. So that's the process. And then you sign. I like, of course, I like it at the time. You sign Arietta for $7 million. And the intent is, let's get Jake back to a position where he's successful. Maybe let's change something. Let's try to change the sequencing. Let's try to get a more crossfire. You fucked up because he can't do that. So what was the process of signing Jake like? Why are you giving Jake $7 million if now I'm hearing in June he can't throw crossfire anymore? He's not physically capable of doing that. That's messed up. And then on top of that, he's still throwing low sinkers down and away. He's still throwing basically similar frequency of pitches as he did four years ago. It's clearly not working. He's throwing 92-94. He's got a good cutter still. And it's not being used in a way that's getting more whiffs, getting more strikeouts. So you have a failure from the front office. And yes, if there is a budget mandate, of course, ownership bears responsibility as well. But this is not mutually exclusive to one particular individual involved here. This is a franchise issue. You cannot accept this risk going into the season and intentionally give up players of value and not bring back immediate value. It's not fair to the guys on the team. It's not fair to you and I, Corey, as fans. It's not fair to the listeners of this podcast. It's not fair to anyone. It's not fair to Tommy Hadovy putting in all this work, getting the bullpen in shape where you are competing. It's not fair. This is, I mean, it's, I, I lose my, I lose my worst thinking about this because it's so shocking that we got into this point where you're relying on Eric Sogard playing third base. Patrick Wisdom playing first base. I don't even know who the fuck was playing catcher today. Like, I, like right when um, Wisdom got out, you have to use your fucking backup catcher at first right. base, right? Rizzo is going to be on the bench for the next five days. We're not going to IL him. And that's probably in part because our 40 man's fucked up. This is a ton 
of issues that could have been avoided. And I'm not going to accept the answer, well, there's no one else. Sogard's there. There's no one else. Well, you know, we had Matt Duffy. Oh, we had Nico Horner. Yeah, we, we, we did. But there's still a level of risk going into the season with Nico. I love Nico, but he's still developing. There's a level of risk with, with Matt Duffy. Yeah, he's had some good years. He's had major back is, uh, issues in the past. They popped up again. Even his projections were variable. We didn't even know if Matt Duffy would make the fucking opening day roster. And now we're relying on him to bring the season back? Right. Come, come on. Like, the depth has always been an issue. We've been talking for three fucking years about depth, depth, depth. And we went into the year subtracting, Corey, subtracting in a year where you have all these guys as free agents. And on top of that, the whole Austin Romine thing, listen, he's 32, a major history of concussions. The alternative was Victor Caratini. There is no universe that that makes sense and you can defend that move. I'm sorry. And then you put more stress on Wilson, who's clearly going through that exact stress. His power is down recently. He's coming off hamstring injuries. This has trickle effects when you make these types of moves, Corey. So that's where I'm at. And you saw it pile up. This is the result of a complete failure to supplement your team, to supplement your coaching staff. It's it's ridiculous. This series was sort of like all of it coming to a head, right? And I I think, you know, we've, we've gone through most of this kind of a lot and in great detail. Like, of course, the U-trade is a mess and likely is the result of the Ricketts being cheap and crying poor and all of that. We know this. The The disappointing thing as we sit here now, though, is that this team showed you that it had the ability to win a weakened division. It also showed you what sort of marginal upgrades it needed to sustain that. And Jed didn't do it. The front office didn't do it. You had all this time to try to acquire a better backup catcher even after Romine was out, right? And it's not like great catchers grow on trees, but I think even those of us who, you know, like wouldn't consider themselves scouts of baseball, I think we can all agree that Jose Lobaton is not really a major league player at this point in his career. So you probably could have done better than that at some point over the last three months, right? And we've been talking about the inconsistency with the starting staff since the beginning of the season. Like, it it wouldn't have cost you Brennan Davis, right, to go and get someone who can eat some innings and give you some decent depth, right? And you just didn't do anything. And so then you end up in this series where Bryant and Rizzo are out, and you have to rely on all these other sort of options C and D type depth guys when your depth wasn't good in the first place. And that that's what's so disappointing at the moment is that, you know, there was time to try and and throw some band-aids on this and i think that might have been all they would have needed to get through this stretch and they just didn't do it and so more guys got hurt more guys performance started to go down the toilet and this is what you're left with so now it leaves you brendan in a position where i don't even know what the direction is i i think you know in terms of if this roster stayed the same and guys got healthy, like I, I would certainly assume that Javi, Rizzo, Bryant do not perform like this for the rest of the season. I don't really know how to explain why it's been such a struggle, though, at the same time. But I died. it would be impossible for them to be as bad as they've been in the month of June uh, for a lot of these guys, right? 
But the the question now comes back in, like, what do you do in a few weeks at the trade deadline? We had kind of felt like we were past that and that they would maybe do some modest buying. I I think always, uh, you know, sort of like aggressive buying was off the table, right? You're not going to make any moves that uh, mortgage the future to supplement the 2021 team. Jed said that even from the beginning, and I think most of us agreed that that didn't really make any sense. But now you have to wonder, Brendan, you're six games back. You just got embarrassed against the Brewers. You haven't beaten them all year, right? Is even modest buying on the table? Would it even matter, right? No. And I, I, I don't know, man. Like over 162 games, I do think that this team can still you know, get hot, take advantage of a, a, a weaker schedule, and maybe make some noise. But six games is a healthy deficit, not an insurmountable one, but it's a healthy one. And you, you still have all these guys hurt, and, and you're, you're, you're not getting that top-tier performance from the players that you need to get that top-tier performance from. So all of that context sort of bundled together, if you're Jed Hoyer, like, are you feeling like going out and getting a middle rotation starter is worth it? Is it going to do anything for this group? Are you feeling like going and finding some offense somewhere, be it an outfield, a middle infield, whatever? Are you feeling like that's going to turn the tide here? And I, I don't know what the answer is. I, I, I really don't. And, you know, then you get into the whole like extensions thing. It, it, it's and then even talking about selling, right? It's all very complicated. It's very nuanced. That's why this this podcast was a particularly difficult one to even try to think about how to approach this because all of this is is particularly nuanced and I I don't really know that there's a good answer on some of this stuff. The the one thing that I can say definitively though is that this is the type of performance we knew that this was going to be a tough stretch, right? This was the outcome you just couldn't afford. Like even taking one game in this series, you're four games back, you're not feeling great, but you're going into an off day, you know, coming home on Monday, and your schedule lightens up a bit. You should have Nico back maybe this weekend, and you sort of start to maybe try to, um, you know, buck the trend a little bit. But a sweep, and in this fashion, blowing a seven to nothing lead. I just don't know where it I just don't know where it leaves all of this. I, I, I really don't. And that cloud of the trade deadline and what Jed Hoyer might want to do in terms of the future of this organization, it's dark at the moment. I thought it was gone. I mean I, I really thought it was gone and that the skies had cleared, but it is back and it is looming, you guys. So yeah. I don't know, I, I Brendan. Don't know. Like this was just sort of the know. one outcome you like really, really needed to avoid. And not only did they not avoid it, they dove like head on into it. Right. Well, you lost six in a row. You're losing Chris Bryant. You're losing Rizzo. You're losing even Tommy Nance, whom we considered possibly a, a staple of that mid to late inning portion of the bullpen. You lost six in a row, three of which to a Brewers team who's on fire right now, who have three pitchers in the rotation who are among the best in terms of whiff rates and stuff and everything. This wasn't a discussion two weeks ago because you were getting some some fortune. You were getting positive value from Wisdom. The bullpen was locking things down. Tapera was not on the injured list as he is now. 
So yeah, the context has changed. And unfortunately, this was like the extreme possible negative outcome. This was like, in my mind, like a, a two to 5% chance of happening. Like getting to this point where we're talking about this team now, you know, six games back and all of the injuries and, and being four weeks away from the deadline. This, in my mind, had a low chance of happening two, three weeks ago. We're here now. And because we're here now, you do have to change the way you think. And at the same time, yeah, maybe it is possible they can go and the pendulum swings in the other way. And now all of a sudden they win six, seven in a row. And we look back at this episode weeks from now, like, oh, look at those two idiots again. But this is the current moment, right? The likelihood they can swing the other direction, win multiple games in a row. Milwaukee starts losing multiple games in a row. Chris Bryant starts hitting like the MVP as he was in May. His injuries go away. Rizzo's back heals up. Nico comes back. Duffy comes back after the, de- uh, after the deadline. DePera comes back healthy. Nance gets things together. Jake gets things together. That's a lot of dominoes that you need to fall down for you to actually get back into a position where you're talking about getting a a mid-rotation starter or talking about getting a better hitter from the trade deadline. I don't think we're at that point yet. And I don't think it's likely we're going to get to that point where we can improve on, on, on this team. It's possible, sure, but the likelihood that happens, if you're betting on this, are you going to bet the Cubs are going to be within striking distance within four weeks, given all the different injuries at this point, given all the instability of some of these performances? I don't know. And then even if we do, Corey, even if we do go on a six, seven, eight game winning streak and guys do get healthy, what's to say this doesn't happen again in September? Yeah. We've talked about this offensive outage for three years, man. The inconsistency. Right. right now, the Cubs' contact rate, discipline, everything ranks in the bottom, like, 15th percentile in Major League Baseball. What's to say that's not going to get—what's to say that's going to change again in September? I don't I don't know. Is this? Is, everything's piling up right now, and I— you know, the trade deadline is one discussion, but even if they get beyond this tough stretch, which again, I think at this point, unfortunately, is unlikely, I just don't think you can project in September that this is a thing of the past and, and not going to happen again. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think, uh, you know, I, that's kind of what I was saying. Like, I, you'd, you'd feel more confident if you were getting solid performances from some of these guys. But, you know, Jock has, he went on that heater for a bit, but, you know, he's sort of uh, cooled off very much. Uh, Ian Happ is struggling mightily, um, you know, borderline like unplayable at the moment with how he's been at the plate, even though he hit a home run. Um, you know, Wilson struggling. I mean, you, you've got a bunch of guys, save for Patrick Wisdom, that have sub 800 OPSs and, you know, batting averages in the 230s and 240s. It's, and I, and I, and for some of them, I, I don't really know what happened. I mean, I don't know what happened to KB that has cratered his numbers like this. Um, you know, I mean, that's the bizarre thing, right? Like talking about KB, uh, and he's been, I have to look at the data. Maybe the worst hitter in the league in June. If we're talking about him being worse than Eric Sogard in June, I don't know who else is going to be worse, Corey. So, that, I mean, like that is bizarre. I, he has to be injured. There's no other explanation to go from that extreme to the other extreme. Yeah, I I, I just don't know. You know, and, and Rizzo is, you know, having sort of an okay season, but this is the second bout of this back thing. 
And so that that's sort of where the, I, I guess, concern for me lies in terms of, you know, even having some sort of optimism. Like, I, I don't think they should do anything rash at the moment. You know, you're still a while away from the trade deadline. Like, you know, see how these next few weeks play out. See if you get a little healthier or whatever. But you're just not getting those performances from from those guys. And it's you can't just flip a switch and, and turn it on. Like, something is leading to those struggles, and they're not easy to convert. The, the issue, Brendan, is like, okay, so we know that aggressive, like, you know, future mortgaging buying is and really always was off the table, right? Okay, so let's take that off the table minimal buying, marginal buying, maybe still on the table, right? We'll see what happens. Standing pat may be an option as well. Here's the thing about selling, though, because now I see this term getting thrown out a lot, right? Right now, you've got a couple of guys who are really valuable assets. Craig Kimbrell at the moment might be the most valuable asset at the trade deadline in all of baseball, right? He's been incredible on the mound. He's got uh, an option for next year that isn't particularly expensive for how good he's been. So he's going to be massively valuable to a team, uh, you know, that is sure they're going to be in the playoffs and kind of like the Cubs were in 2016. They need that lockdown end of the bullpen, right? So he's going to be massively valuable. Someone like Andrew Chafin might be quite valuable. He's been he's been very good. So, you know, there there's another person. Beyond that, though, Brendan, right, it gets a little tricky. And just because these guys' values are not where you want them to be doesn't necessarily mean you should hold on to them or whatever. But like I I I just think there's a a misunderstanding amongst uh, at least some of the people I've seen discussing this of what some of these guys are going to yield if you did do some sort of massive sell-off. Like, I don't know what some of y'all think the Cubs would be able to get for a Javi Baez that's hitting 220 with a 740 OPS and the highest strikeout rate in the league, but it's not what you think it is, right? Yeah. Like you still do it then? Well, that so that I don't know. This series (laughs) has sort of forced us to take a second look at some of these potential directions, and I'm just saying, like, I I get all perspectives really, but I I just think some people need to reevaluate like what you think all of this is going to yield. It also complicates the, you know, we've talked about these extensions over and over and over again. And as much as I hate to say it, Brendan, if you're Jed Hoyer, you're looking at the Cubs fan base that has been screaming at you to extend these guys, yelling at at the, the ownership, the front office, all of this stuff for not extending any of these guys. And I think if you're Jed Hoyer, you're looking at everybody going, see, I told you guys, Jed Hoyer told everybody, I wanted to see how things played out. 2020 was was weird. It was a bad year for some of these guys. Want to see how they come back. Want to see what things look like when we get going again and have a normal season. Well, he's seeing it, Brendan. So do you think he's yeah, itching know. to have given these guys each, you know, seven-figure contracts, eight-figure contracts, whatever it is? 
I don't. I know. I don't think the so. Logic of keeping Avi Baez and, and Chris Bryant would be to see if they turn around their seasons in uh, August and September, and that if they do, you offer them a qualifying offer, and assuming they reject it, you get back draft compensation, and that compensation is more valuable than what you would get in in a trade before July 31st. That That's the logic. I can see that. And we'd still, for those guys, you know, more so for Chris Bryant than Javi, we'll see what he looks like the next two weeks. I I, I don't know. No, I, it's you, hard you to see what even, I'm saying, though, just from Jed's perspective, sure. right? Yeah, I mean, I see from Jed's perspective. Like, any, even like, just using even just using Rizzo as an example. And and I, I you and I were some of the loudest people screaming that they were undervaluing him and not giving him any credit for what he meant to this organization, what he meant to this team, etc. If you're looking at the terms of those deals in a in a baseball vacuum, right? Jed Hoyer is not regretting at the moment that Anthony didn't take that deal. He's not performing to the level of that deal. And yeah. so that that's what yeah. complicates things is because I think it 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 has always been kind of assumed that the lack of extensions was something from ownership for the most part, right? A, a cheapness, a money thing, a budget thing, wanting to reset things, etc. And I don't know if there was enough sort of credence given to the idea that maybe, and I'm, I'm guilty of this, of course. I'm not, I'm not speaking about everybody else and not myself. I, of course, am guilty of this. But I don't think enough credence was given to the idea that maybe Jed just didn't want to build around these guys at the the values that they saw themselves when he had these conversations with them. So what what were the blind spots, right? I mean, you and I, I in particular, the offer when we heard for Rizzo was 70 million. I'm like, what the yeah. hell is this? Like, I, I, I give Rizzo, you know, uh, you and I were talking, I don't know if we said this on air, but like 100, 110, you know, somewhere a little bit less in that Paul Goldschmidt contract for five years. I was fine doing that, right? And so if 70 versus 100 and 110, that's a huge difference. I was for that deal. For Chris Bryant, it's always been difficult to gauge what his worth is given the last, this will be the third season now where you have these up and down stretches, the injuries, the asking price for a former MVP who is young can range from, you know, around 250 to 300 million. And I don't think at this point, Chris is going to get that. So it's always difficult to gauge Chris's value and whether or not if the Cubs offered him 150, 200, if he would have accepted that. We don't, we don't, we don't know that. We don't even know if the Cubs wanted to give KB that. I think the principle was, like, I want to keep KB if it makes financial sense. But in terms of Rizzo, yeah, I, I wanted him extended for 100, 110. I would have been, been fine with that. Now, like, what were our blind spots? What's our blind spot with Tony where we're not even comfortable maybe with 100, 110? What's our blind spot with KB with not even being comfortable with 150 to 200? What did, I mean, is it that the injuries are more problematic than you and I thought? Is it the fact that the league has adjusted at a rapid pace and now KB and Tony are no longer worth that type of money given that their skill set was best suited for a previous era of baseball? Like, those, like, I'm trying to figure out how we got to this point where this is a sudden shift even in our thinking, right? So is was this always known by like Jed that, hey, there's a possibility and given this new baseball environment that these are not 
the guys, and they maybe they may beat the guys just at a more appropriate price, yeah. like Rizzo with seventy million. Yeah, I I, I don't know because like part of what I would say is like I didn't expect these seasons from these guys, and I think for the most part there was a lot of. Well, clearly, Jed thought it was a possibility. Yeah, right? I, well, it's certainly at the them. valuations that those guys saw themselves. You know, we heard that rumor yeah. about, uh, you know, I think the Javi contract from a couple of years ago, you know, that was another one that was a lot of money, and uh, Javi turned it down. And it, it, I just didn't expect these seasons from these guys, you know. And, you know, it's, it's, it, we're only at the end of June here, so, like, we'll, we'll see how things turn around. And, you know, Chris obviously had uh, a hell of a start to the season, but— I I just didn't expect this, and and I don't necessarily I, I don't necessarily regret thinking that. Like I, I think that Anthony's track record would have led me to believe he'd continue being, uh, you know, an over 800 OPS guy sitting around 25 to 30 home runs, and maybe he will be uh, that. He's not too far off from that, but he isn't there, and now you know he's dealing with uh, more of this back thing that has sort of always been there and, you know, unfortunately just sort of continues to be there and potentially get worse, I guess. And I wouldn't have expected Chris to crater like this and have a month of June that he has. When he was performing the way that that he was in the beginning of the season, I mean, you guys know this if you've listened to us for any amount of time. Like, that's who I believe Chris Bryant is. I've said it for years. You've said it for years, Brendan. So, to see it it sort of spiraling like this like i i don't know i would have been wrong i guess i mean again it's you know it's still sort of early in this particular season but i would have been wrong i guess in giving uh some of these guys these contracts at the time i did right because i wouldn't have had this this information and what we're looking at in 2021 but but that that's that sort of driving at my overall point, which is this is a a tricky situation that they're in. Because even if you want to sell and move on, even if your intention is to move on from good portions of this roster and spend a bunch of money in this offseason, right? That can be your intention. You can intend to compete, but just not with some of these guys, if that's how Jed views the future. I don't know if that's what they're going to do, but I'm just saying that that's an allowable way of thinking and operating. But for a lot of these guys, their value is not in a good place in terms of trying to move them and trying to get a lot for them. I mean, I I think of that um, Castellanos deal, Brendan. It, it, it's, it, it's coming to mind a lot in in these recent days because think about what the Cubs gave up for Castellanos and the hitter that he was right none of these guys are hitting that well and they're different players Castellanos is a bad defender not a very good base runner you know so it is what it is it's not apples to apples but I'm just saying like I I read through I was reading through uh the comments on Bleacher Nation's one of Bleacher Nation's articles the other day and I saw somebody suggest that the Cubs would get a top 100 prospect for each Javi and KB, if not more than one total. And I'm reading that going, no, they won't. N- no, they won't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, like, I just don't yeah. see it. And and I'm looking, I'm thinking about that Castellanos deal and, you know, giving up Paredes and who was it, Alex Lang? Is that is that what the deal was, right? Yeah. Like, 
that's not a prospect package that's drastically altering the the future of this organization, right? I mean, we all just spent the offseason justifiably bitching about the Darvish return, right? Actually, the uh, the Paredes deal was for Justin fucking Wilson. Court. Oh, yeah. So Alex Lang was Castellanos then, right? What a terrible deal that was. What was Theo thinking? Hyber Condelario and Isaac Paredes for fucking Justin Wilson? Oh, my God. Well, that's a different topic. But, I mean, you know, we're not sitting here today, though, regretting, you know, or lamenting that those guys aren't with the Cubs, though. Yeah, that, no, that's 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 the only point I'm making is that I think especially with where the Cubs have gone in the past when when we think of trades we are thinking of Gliber Torres yeah so the Tigers got Paul Rishon and Alex Lang like that's what I'm saying like think about how good of an offensive producer Cassianos was and that's what it took to get him right like that's Javi's not hitting as well as Castellanos. He's a much better defender, much bigger well, people name. People would say to you, well, you know, Castellanos didn't have the track record as a Javi or, you know, Chris Bryant. Sure, so therefore, but I think you know what the, I mean. My comparison. point is, if you are yeah. a team that is trying to make the playoffs, you're aggressively buying, are you giving up, let's reverse it, let's look at things from, from our perspective. Are you going to give up a Brennan Davis, a Miguel Amaya, a Braylon Marquez? Are you going to give up on Braylon Marquez's future for what Javi's doing right now. No, no I'm not. No, no way. No. In the yeah. hope that he, he hits like 2018, in the hope that Rizzo's back is not an issue and something that keeps him out of a playoff game if you acquire him? No way. And again, like, obviously, like, I love these guys. This whole conversation, it makes me horribly miserable, you guys. Like, you you don't even know. But I'm just trying to articulate the issues with choosing a direction and what those directions might be and and I I don't kn- I don't know what a good answer is but the the answer then is well if they're going to walk in free agency or if you can renegotiate after they get traded become a free agent and bring them back to Chicago if you're not going to compete this year then why does it matter that you need to get a top 100 prospect so the no that's the fair comparison yeah. is the comparison is the way I see it is: Do you wait on them? Do you wait on KB? Do you wait on Javi? Don't trade them and try to get their value back to a point where they reject a qualifying offer. And if they do so, is that value higher than what you're getting at the trade deadline? That answer, I don't know. At the same time, do you want to risk that? Do you want to risk? Possibly those two guys, like Javi accepting the qualifying offer, who knows what his plans are, and is it maybe just better for the future to trade Javi and you're not going to get a top 100 prospect or whatever it ends up being, but at least you're going to get something back and you don't risk maybe an acceptance of that qualifying offer, which might be around $20 million. And while they can afford it, you do see that shortstop market next year, which includes, you know, Carlos Correa. I don't want to get Carlos Correa because of all the other stuff, but, you know, maybe, who knows? But you also have, like, you know, Seager, Corey Seager on the market as well. Those those are the full picture possibilities. And to that question, because this is also new to us, I don't have a strong opinion yeah. on it. Uh, it, it's, it sucks to, you know, it sucks to even think about this, to be quite honest with you. Uh, yeah, yeah, so, like, 
I, I mean, I think, you know, in an ideal world, you kind of see how things play out over the next couple weeks. If you get off, if you are, if you're Jed and you're of the belief that you either are not going to come to terms with some of these guys or you don't want to come to terms with them. Certainly, I would be interested, like, especially in Chris Bryant, like, with the way that his numbers have come down, like, if his contract is more reasonable, like, I'm still all in on that um, at a a cheaper price. If he's, you know, still looking for some Boris-esque total... (laughs) What is that price for you? I mean, I know you're just thinking about it. I have no idea. I I don't know. I'm just (laughs) saying I would revisit the conversation now that he's not, you know, at literally right. the NLM. I mean, if I said one fifty, Corey, would you would you say yeah, sign it right for now? For how many years? Uh, let's just say let's just say just for the sake of simplicity, uh, twenty five mil for the next six years. Yeah, you would do. I would well, do it too. I, again, I think, all I think all that sense is it's a caveat. I need to know whether the Ricketts are actually going to spend money on the team or not. In 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 the belief that at some point the budget will be closer to the luxury tax or over. Yes, I'm I'm committing yeah. that to him and I'm I'm feeling fine about it. So that's one fifth that's one fifty over six yeah. years. Right? So and so I think that that's a that's a in your betting on that these injuries are not going to be problematic. Right. That's what you bet on. I think I think it's a but fair But that bet. is what it is. Those are going to happen. Like I think it's I think that's that's a right investment. And if he's willing to discuss things in a more reasonable way but but what I'm getting at is if 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 you're either not going to keep these guys because you don't want them or because you're just so far apart on terms and things like that and you get and you're fielding calls you get the right offers I I I think you have to make those decisions and see what you can get for them and there's still ways to um acquire closer to MLB ready talent bring guys up and you know again like see where this team is at in a few weeks right you don't have to gut the entire roster um you just sort of see how that plays out. But I I think that, you know, again, like full-on buying, mortgaging the future, Chapman for Torres type no, deals. that's not happening. Not happening. It was never going to happen. I don't it's think, totally I don't off think, the yeah, table never You happen. can't justify it. You just can't. I, it, it always was like, all right, do you want to, and this is how I was thinking, do you want to trade Craig Kimbrell if – you're only four games yeah. back from the division, then that that's a difficult decision. Four games back, you know, anything can happen at that point. But if you're talking about Craig and Chafin, uh, as you said earlier in this podcast, you might be able to get some legitimate value back given what the closer market has been over the last five years. And you look over in San Diego, I know Mark Melanson has had some okay outings, but you look at San Diego who is competing for a division, a World Series. They feel as if they had the same type of momentum and energy the Cubs had in 2015 and 2016. Like you might be able to get some legit value back for Craig. And then the question becomes, if the Cubs are in this position where you still have some of this uncertainty, but you got back to a point where you're three, four games out on July 20th, what do you do? Right. That's a difficult that that is a difficult question. And yes, the context can change as it has in the past ten days. We don't know what's gonna happen. It's possible the Cubs go on a seven game win streak and this explicit pod becomes very weird. All moot. Yeah. 
yeah, it, who knows? This season has been insane. I just think where I'm at today, entering July, is that that is a low probability event. Just as going through early June, sweeping you know all these teams, the Cardinals, you know sweeping the Padres, winning two out of three in San Diego, that was a low probability event too. I just thought this type of other low negative outcome right. probability was not going to happen. It unfortunately happened. Yeah, and and again, you know, this is a sort of representative failure of a lot of different things. I think David Ross was yeah, really bad right? um, yeah. in the last week. I think his lineups were really bad. I think his urgency in a lot of situations were really bad. I mean, I was mad at him today on Wednesday for how long he left Arietta in the game. We knew that that was coming. Everybody on Twitter knew that Arietta was not going to hold a seven-run lead, and you're just sort of sitting there watching him just piss the game away, and... It's a failure of the front office to supplement this roster, address some of these needs, even in cheap, marginal ways. They didn't do those things. And even not only in the offseason, but they didn't do it while these problems were showing up in the middle of the season. And of course, it's a failureship of uh, a failure on ownership who has, you know, cut off spending and forced trades and things like that at times where it was obviously really inconvenient to do so. So, it all rears its ugly head in a series in Milwaukee where the Brewers, you know, just sort of embarrass you. They pants you like they, they, they're they doing laps around you, laughing. And yeah, it, it just sort of all comes together. So yeah, like for me, like where I'm at right now, I, I wouldn't do anything rash. I think, you know, kind of the, the sort of immediate reaction from a lot of people is, all right, we're done. Sell, sell, sell. Get rid of everybody. Do that. Like... <laughs> Like, hold on, right? The market is not going to be at its hottest right now. You don't know. A lot of these teams do not have clearly defined paths, just like the Cubs, right? You look at the rest of the NL Central is in a very similar place to the Cubs, save for the Brewers. You look in the NL East, I think other than the Mets, I think everybody's near or under 500, even though some of those teams have played well, some have played bad, right? So a lot of teams are in this same, what are we doing? type mode. So I think you got to chill, see if guys get healthy, see if Nico coming back, like, you know, you can go on a little bit of a run and see where you're at in the two weeks to weekish period before the deadline. And then you've got to kind of make some decisions on, on what you're doing here. The, the only question I would have for you, Brendan, on that, I mean that for almost everybody, right? I would <laughs> ask you though, if Let's say the Padres called you tomorrow, and they're going to give you what you feel is a a really tasty package for Craig Kimbrell. Are you sending him off tomorrow? Yep. Okay. I'm done. I'm done. And so the the reason for that is the uncertainty going forward with your core guys. I think there's a huge degree of uncertainty with Javi, KB, and Tony. And I know a lot of that's injury-focused and is out of their control, and I get that. But you still have to be realistic and operate under this one-year timeline. And I don't, I can, I can see situations and scenarios in which the Cubs do pull out of it with Tony, KB, and Javi. I, I'm, of course, that's within uh, the realm of possibility. But I'm thinking of likelihoods and trying to project. And I don't think it's a strong likelihood they're going to get out of that. And those guys are going to consistently perform for the next three months at a level that's going to outpace Milwaukee. That's that's what we're also considering here is the pace at which Milwaukee is progressing with their with their rotation. Right. 
So if they're coming with an offer for Craig that I have zero idea how to gauge this market given COVID is, you know, teams are trying to get full capacity and everything. I don't know what the market is, but if we're assuming that the market for Craig is among the best and among the similar returns we've seen in years past, I'm doing it. I think I think you kind of have to do it at this point. You're six games back. You don't know when Tony's back is going to be better. You don't know what the issues are with Javi. KB, that's an internal situation that I don't think we have all the information to, but that is a huge extreme June. As myself looking in, as a fan looking in, I don't know what to think of that. How, how can I have any confidence that that's not due to some injury? And if it is due to an injury, how can I have confidence that another injury won't pop up or that injury will be long-lasting? That's 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 yeah. the unfortunate thinking, right? So I think you have to do it, Corey. Well, and I think that, you know, you also land in this spot where, again, this is a weird conversation because you're kind of condensing things to two, two different portions of, of a season, right? We're forced to look at this from an April to July 31st, or it might even be August 1st this year, like period, because we have Whatever, to. Yeah. It's yeah. a different I mean, discussion four, when you're weeks. talking about 162 <laughs> games, right? So I, I, I hate to offer sweeping conclusions on a season in June because it's June, right? And the Cubs were in first place, what, a week and a half ago, right? So things change on a dime. I, I don't want to offer like sweeping generalizations. However, I'm just trying to think of things from Jed Hoyer's perspective and understand things. And if if I'm him, like the offense is, you said this, Brennan, the offense is doing this again. And maybe by the end of the year, if you get some of these guys back, if Chris is not the worst hitter, uh, you know, on your team for whatever reason for an entire month. If Javi cuts that K rate down from the highest in the league, whatever, maybe things look differently. They did for for a, a stretch of this season, right? But we're having so many of the same conversations. Yeah. And so it's, I it's... know it's not done yet, and I know things can change, and this isn't like a concrete opinion, but at the moment, you guys, at the moment, is Jed Hoyer wrong if his attitude is, I do not want to go forward with the majority of this group because I keep having the same problem over and over and over again? I, I don't yeah. think he's wrong to think that. You're looking at someone like Hap who has just absolutely cratered, right? You're looking at Javi and Rizzo and Bryant and Contreras and even Peterson now, and it's so familiar, some of this stuff that we are seeing, the numbers, the strikeouts, the runners left on base, etc. I I don't think it's insane for Jed to just be like, look, I, I got to change this up. I need to change this up. And I, you know, it's it's always worth throwing out there. Like I think that there were ways in in this off season and in past off seasons to supplement this group more significantly, but the money wasn't there. And I say this all the time. We could spend every episode yelling about the Rickets and not spending enough money and the off seasons in which they fucked things up and how bad the whole organization fucked up that Darvish trade, etc. But it's just the reality, right? 
it they're, they're, it it's just the reality. This is how they're spending money. This is how they're owning the team. So we are just talking about things within those parameters, right? Because sitting here and yelling about the money, it's a fantasy land. It's not the reality we live in. It sucks. It fucking sucks, right? Guys, I'm a season ticket holder. I, I get bled dry by this team like the idiot that I am every year, right? I know. I get it as much as all of you, but this is what it is. So we have to look at things from Jed's perspective as the president of baseball operations for a team that at the moment does not have that top-tier financial commitment. That's just what it is. So given all of that context, if he's looking at things and he's got to make decisions and he doesn't think some of these guys are worth the extensions that they think they want or he doesn't think they're worth what it would carve out from the budget that he has going forward— I don't know if he's wrong at the moment to just sort of be like done with this overall group and mentality and and just what they have become and just be done with this run. And I don't know if he's wrong. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the fact that it, the fact that you can see him not being wrong, I mean, that's, uh, that should be a point of emphasis that we got to this point, right? So it's not a foregone conclusion that uh, extending all these guys make makes sense or even extending a fraction of these guys makes sense. Um, it's an unfortunate reality. I didn't think we would get here. I never did. Uh, if you were to tell me two years ago that we would be having this discussion, I think you're crazy. Yeah. But we're having this discussion. If you told me uh, 10 days ago, I know. we'd no, be having this discussion. But like, I, so like I, I said at the, at the beginning, I think that's that's what has me the most disappointed is there was there there was and maybe there still is I don't know what they're gonna do but there there was a winning season a, a division champion season in this group it it just needed a little help and it also needed uh, s- some specific things to not go wrong like they have at the the very worst time. And they, they, they didn't supplement those things. They didn't address those things. And those things did go wrong at the wrong times and rear their head at, at the wrong time. And again, it's, it, it's, I don't want to write things off because of a, a road trip to LA and Milwaukee. I, of course not. But we're operating on a shorter timeline here. We don't have until the end of September to sort of make yep. some decisions here. It's just not we how it about works. Three to four weeks. That's how it yeah. works. Okay, uh, let's preview this upcoming three-game set in Cincinnati. Can I can I offer Reds. one one final note? Of and this will be this will this is a weird one, but I I just okay. thought of this and I I can't I can't shake it. Just on the on the Arietta thing, um, twice in in Arietta starts now. Eric Sogard has pitched in relief. You're killing both me. times. Why are you telling me this? Why why both you, times? Why did you feel Eric has been the better up? pitcher. Cause, dude, I'm I'm fucking done with it, man. I'm so pissed off that he blew that lead today. And I'm reading the quote from Ross now, and I know he's not gonna, you know, say all this to the media. But he's like, "Well, we're gonna reset on the off day. I don't even know who he'd replace him with, bro. Fucking anybody. Come on, this, you know. I, I can't. I'm I can't I'm just this. I'm just so pissed off about it. Like they had to win that game, and they had it, man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's the second time Sogard has pitched in a game that he blew, and he didn't give up any runs. I, know, in I those heard games. you. 
I fucking heard you. I know I get it. I don't. Fuck. I. I can I preview? Can I preview this three game set? If you good? want, yeah, go ahead. All right, I'm doing it. So, uh, off day on Thursday. Uh, I think we all need it. I need it. I'm sure you need it, Corey. Um, so Friday they come back out. They play the Reds in Cincinnati. Six uh, ten p.m. start time. In Chicago, Alec Mills on the mound for the Cubs, a 3-1 record, a 5.11 ERA. He'll be facing Sonny Gray, who on the year is 1-4, a 3.42 ERA. Sonny Gray, I feel like, always is on the verge of no-hitting the Cubs, so that's just lovely that that's who we're going to be facing on Friday. On Saturday, we have Adbert Alzali on the mound looking to rebound off his last difficult start. Alzali on the year is 4-7, a 4.55 ERA. He'll be facing Tyler Malley for the Reds, who's having a very good year. 7-3 record, a 3.74 ERA. That Saturday game is an afternoon game. Uh, a late start for you guys in Chicago, a 3.10 p.m. Central start time. And then on Sunday, an earlier start time at 12.10 uh, p.m. in Chicago, we have Kyle Hendricks on the mound. Kyle? Has looked really sharp lately. A 10-4 record, a 3.98 ERA. He'll be facing Wade Miley, who's having a good year for the Reds. A 6-4 record, a 3.09 ERA. So this is just fantastic. Facing three of the most uh, uh, recent successful pitchers for the Reds. I know Sonny Gray's record is not the best this year, but he just he's destroyed the Cubs um, in years past. Uh, right now, the Cubs are six games back. Lovely of the Milwaukee Brewers and then the Reds are an even 500 at 39 and 39. Again, the Cubs are 42 and 39. Six game losing streak. What I'm looking for wins. I'm looking to not be sad. I'm looking for lineups that don't include Eric fucking Sogard. I'm looking for a backup catcher. I'm looking for deep starts from a rotation. I'm looking for base hits. I'm looking for contact. I'm not looking for strikeouts. Uh, yeah, I'm looking for some urgency across the board. So that's what I'm looking for. Uh, this was fun, Corey. I had a great time recording this episode. Yeah, man. I mean, look, like you gotta. I mean, you gotta show some heart here. I mean, that's that's really what it is. Um, you know, the the situation with Rizzo and and Bryant and and their injuries. I mean, look, like Ross said that they were they were down. There, there were those pinch hit spots. I, the, they're not the type of guys that are just going to sit there if the game is on the line and they can actually go up there and perform. Uh, so I take that to mean they just were not in good shape. Um, which again, you know, sort of brings the injured list Love question it. into Love right. It. Like I, you know, I, I don't I don't know, <laughs> but it's it's just unfortunate so i don't know if they're going to be able to go but you you have to start treating this and and this was sort of the the issue i was saying with ross um you know about this series and i know he's like ross i think has not been great over the last week and and you know he's made some mistakes but he's also he's been the dealt least of the issues he's he's yeah. been dealt a shit hand in a lot of ways terrible but you you have to start treating these games like they're must win. You you have to start acting like July is September. You just don't have another choice. You know what I mean? Like you have to start playing baseball that reflects the urgency of the situation. And and that's not even necessarily just about the trade deadline. Like you're six games back. Milwaukee's got a solid team. Like, and they also have, you know, when you have a starting staff like that in a bullpen like that, you also have a team that is well positioned to not go on some massive slide, right? So six games to catch Milwaukee is not insurmountable, but it's a lot. 
and it's going to be hard, especially when you have not shown any ability to beat them head-to-head in the, the series that you played against them. So not just the trade deadline, but just where you're at in the division, you, you've got to start showing that these games are basically like September in a pennant race. And that is far from what it felt like um, these three games, and really at times in that Dodgers series too. So it's it's a bit of a mess, but, uh, you know, look, like, again, I don't think we're going to see any action drastically, like, in the nearish future, but this this is that time, you guys. They have, like, a few weeks to give Jed an idea of what the right decision is, not even just for this season, but for the future for a lot of these guys, you know? Like, a lot of these guys, you're pretty confused about what exactly you're doing here. I mean, you know, we know about the guys that are free agents and stuff, but we talked about him. Like, Ian Happ's a good example. Like, is he your future center fielder anymore? I, I don't know, right? Like, these are questions you have to get answered. You know, some of these other guys, Alcantara, et cetera, like, you need to figure out, like, what you're doing going forward with some of these guys. And this is all the time that you have. So for this Red Series, like... You know, you gotta you gotta come back and show a little heart here. I know that's like a, a coach speak, like narrative cliche, but like you just got completely embarrassed in Milwaukee with the way you lost really two of these games. You you have to you gotta be better and you have to show that there's there's something left uh in this. And it's it's wild because this team was in first place like two weeks ago. So this whole thing is like such a wild and fucked up conversation, but it's where we're at, you guys. So uh, either way, we'll be there. Take a breather on your off day. It'll be nice to uh, not deal with this for a day, I think, um, fortunately. So take a breather on Thursday, and then uh, we'll come back on, on Sunday, and we'll break it down. And hopefully the Cubs have decided to show up and act like a fucking professional baseball team Um, because I don't know what the hell we just watched in Milwaukee, but, uh, I was embarrassed watching it. I was embarrassed talking to people about it. You know, some of my friends that aren't Cubs fans talking to me about it. And I assume a lot of you were too. We got more tweets today, I think for, uh, you know, an explicit episode than we have in a very long time. So I don't know. And, and, you know, again, like this, this conversation was all over the place because this situation's all over the place. Uh, there's a lot of, nuance and a lot of gray area and a lot of decisions to be made um and they're not easy ones and they're not clear ones so so what we had for you today we'll be back on sunday hopefully a more like normal conversation and again you know that the cubs have shown up uh and decided to act like a team that's you know trying to win a division uh for the second year in a row so or you know maybe it'll be another episode like this i don't know whatever uh that's what we have for you either way we thank you guys for supporting the cubs related podcast i I, you know i know it's uh it's not always easy or enjoyable to listen to uh, an hour-long conversation about this team after the way they play sometimes but we appreciate your guys support we'll be here no matter what uh we'll talk to you on sunday and as always go cubs